give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. The question tonight is, is your doctrine good doctrine? You have to show them something worthy of their thoughts. God's teaching uh, is compared uh, to the sending of the rain. Uh, God is going to send rain. Uh, it's going to be sent uh, by what is taught. That word uh, have I hear uh, in my heart. Uh, it's the word uh, that makes me who I am. Uh, it's the word uh, that gives me fighting power. Uh, it's the word. And you must place them in an environment that causes them to reason my assignment tonight is to be in witness. My assignment is to deliver a good doctrine and a true testimony of Jesus. I want you to listen so many In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was of the cross and so as is our objective with the lesson our goal is to give you both a, a realistic and a natural uh, understanding of the experience of this um, this death of the Lord this sacrifice for us but then also to make some spiritual application as well so that we can understand what this means to us beyond history so as we look at the crucifixion uh, in Matthew chapter 16, in verse number 23, this is after Jesus began to share with his disciples what his destiny was as it related to his dying upon the cross. And Peter began to tell him, no, Jesus, you're not going to go out like that. That's, that's not going to be what's going to happen to you. And as we are probably familiar with, the Lord turned and rebuked him. And said, you're not savoring, you're not conscious, valuing the things of God, but rather you are savoring the things of men. And then he said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. And so I, I read that scripture as a preface to what we're going to talk about because the crucifixion and the experience of Christ is not only his to have. The Lord said if you are going to follow him, you are to take up your own cross, to bear that cross, and to follow him so that you may find your life. So as we begin, I want you to keep in mind these three things. The suffering of a savior, the capacity of the anointed, and the conception of a cross. We'll get back to those as we move forward. To give you some historical context and information, the Jewish historian Josephus aptly described crucifixion following the siege of Jerusalem by the Romans in AD 66 through 70 as the most wretched of deaths. The word crucify in the Greek language, the language of the New Testament, is a word stauroo, and it 
the definition of that word is to impale to a cross, to extinguish passion or selfishness, and to expose to death and self-denial. So as the song that we sing, they hung him high, they stretched him wide. The desire of crucifixion was to humiliate a man and to render him unable to stand up for himself, to expose him to the process of death that he could do nothing about and that the public could watch a man die totally helpless and humiliated. So we talk about why did he have to be crucified. It speaks to who called for the crucifixion and what their goal was. They were looking to humiliate him. They were looking to bring him who had talked about power, who had preached a doctrine that they could not refute. Their desire was to bring him down and to humiliate him to such a degree that nobody would ever honor his legacy or his doctrine or any of his teachings or any of his miracles, but that the last visual of him would be complete humiliation, exposed. And the word impale speaks about sort of nailing us, like almost a sign. When you put a sign up and you want everybody to be able to see this impaled sign in a stake. And that sign is to tell people what they should think about this. And the goal was to tell everybody that would follow him, you don't want to go there. You don't want to be like this man. But as Jesus said, if I be lifted up, he said, I will draw all men unto me. God has the ability to change around what the world is trying to do to you and me to magnify us in the process. So as he is stretched wide, it was customary for criminals that were uh, convicted to carry their own cross, as Sister Veronica talked about, to, from the scourging site to the place of crucifixion. Jesus bears his cross, what is called the patibulum, the cross beam of the cross. His arms, his hands, or rather, are tied to it, and he carries it on his shoulders, bearing not only the weight of the cross, uh, of, of the, the beam, and bearing not only the weight of his pain, but also the responsibility to save the world. And I wanted to emphasize this because when you talk about a savior, the suffering of a savior, you have to realize if you are going to save people's lives, you cannot fail and you cannot quit. So not only do you have the weight of the experience itself, you have the responsibility of the lives of people, the generations and people that are attached to you. You cannot fail. And if I can impart to you right now, you in your ministry, your calling, that which God has chosen you to do, you cannot fail and you cannot quit because the world is on your shoulders. The world, the generations to come are waiting, they're, they're on you and God has placed it on you knowing that you can bear it. You cannot fail. So after he is scourged, he is severely weakened, and he is bleeding. He is led up to the place of crucifixion, a place called Golgotha, 
which means the place of a skull. And it just dawned upon me that the death and birth of the head of the church happened at a place called the skull. I think there's something more to study there, but I haven't studied enough to teach it to you right now. But he's the head of the church dies and is born at the skull. And it is here that he is flanked by two thieves and he bears the sins of the world, preparing to die. Now remember now, he has been scourged brutally and he is bleeding. So what not, first we have, first we have the weakness. Now we have the bleeding. He is bleeding profusely out of all of the capsules of his body, bleeding. And as we know, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. So Jesus is going through this process, and not only has he been brought into this place of suffering, he is ministering as he is bleeding, bleeding along the way that he's going. There are some times in your life where you don't even recognize that you are ministering just by walking the path that you have been designed and destined to walk. But the blood is coming out every step he takes. He's bleeding. And with the, the bleeding and shedding of blood, he is giving the remission of sins as he, as he walks. Bleeding. Bleeding. So we say, bleed on, Lord. Bleed. Because we need that blood that's inside of you. As he is bleeding, he now is faced with extraordinary, excruciating pain and dehydration as he is physically enduring this uh, process. He makes his way to Golgotha and he is now impaled on the cross. These nails that he is impaled are between five and seven inches meant to go through the man and the cross. So the Lord is lifted up and they impale him to the cross with nails through his wrists. And where they are puncturing the wrist is a key, a very important nerve, the median nerve, which results in a condition known as causal, causal gia, something like that. The median nerve, a major nerve, and the damage to this nerve would have caused extraordinary pain to radiate up his arm through the axilla to the spinal cord and up to his brain. So now the pain is reaching to the very inner core of the Lord. Pain. And not only is there pain, but there is mocking. So as he is being experiencing pain, there is shame as well. And remember, this is a man. This is not a super uh, uh, alien. This is a man like you and I. Imagine the rage of this man who has healed these people's family members and people from the city. They spit in his face. The rage of that, the anger, not just pain, being mad, wanting to speak up for yourself. This is a part of being a savior. Ladies and gentlemen, that is what you and I are called to. And that's going to happen as you walk your path and you're going to endure not only pain but shame. 
and, and, and ridicule and mocking. Because if you're going to take up your cross, you're going to follow the path that Christ walked on. And he's walking this path, and that's what, it, what really touches us. He is doing this to bring us salvation. Jesus is doing this for us. The Savior does not live for himself. He gives his life for others. If you're going to save other people's lives, you will not be able to save yourself. And that's what they kept mocking. They said, look at him. He who saved others, himself he cannot save. And they took it as a point of weakness. He's reached his limit. But it's a reality. A savior cannot save himself. He dies to save others. She dies to save others. So now the Lord is enduring the shame, despising the shame, enduring the cross, that he might be set on the right hand of the throne of God to come. He now is on the cross and he needs to breathe. And so his arms, as his wrists are impaled to the cross, his body sinks into a wide position. And as he needs to breathe, he has to lift himself up. So every breath requires strength and the muscles that require for you to uh, engage yourself in breathing, to lift himself up as the splinters of the cross rip into his wounds and his back. And he's lifting himself up just to breathe and to speak and to, to claim, Father, forgive, forgive them. For they know not what they do. Just to speak it, ministering to the world with his final breath and every bit of strength as he is engaging his muscles, his heart pumps more blood. Bleed. So that his muscles can sustain. But eventually the up and down motion will cause him to become exhausted. And then he will suffer from suffocation. But as he's doing this, he begins to speak. And there are seven things the Lord says. We talk about those. But this takes us into the capacity of the anointed. How can a man endure such suffering and pain, yet continue to minister? The lesson is, when you are anointed, God empowers and enables you to excel the normal capacity of a man. What that means is, when you think you are at your limit, saints, you have more capacity by the anointing, because the yoke is destroyed by the anointing. What yoke? The yoke that binds you to normal human standards. That's destroyed by the anointing. The anointing breaks open the yoke and takes you further than you thought you could go. So the Lord says, Father, forgive them. It is the capacity to love and appropriate forgiveness to those who are wrongfully uh, of treating you. Today thou shalt be with me in paradise, he says to the penitent thief. The capacity to see beyond the present circumstance to know that the promise of God will come tomorrow. It is coming. Paradise. Behold, how much time do I have with that bill? Behold thy mother, woman, behold thy son, the capacity to care. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The Lord quotes the 22nd Psalm, taking himself out off of the cross and into the mind of God, understanding that he is living out God's word. 
and he is still in the hands of the Lord. I thirst the capacity to confess weakness. I need somebody to help me. And I need every once and again somebody to fill me up with something as you are serving as a savior. And it is finished. The capacity to, to succeed. And Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. The capacity to worship while you are in suffering. So as I conclude, what we are trying to understand here is the suffering of the Lord is the suffering of every savior. If you're going to save other people's lives, you have to suffer. You will suffer. But in your suffering, the death of Jesus on the cross was not just death. You see, in the conception of God, death does not conclude. It conceives. Jesus was born when he died. And what was born in Jesus was a man we had never seen. A man who could appear in a room and disappear. A man who could eat flesh and disappear through, through walls in thin air. A man that could, could, could conceal his identity to minister to people, break bread and be revealed and disappear. There's something you have never seen of yourself that God is birthing through your suffering. But you as a savior must endure. You must recognize that you have the capacity to endure all that God has put in your path to complete the work because you are being born. You're not dying, you're being born. And what you're being born into, we have never seen before. God bless you. God bless you.